How many's got the victory today? I just live in the victory. Why not, right? And uh, keep keep it all going. You know that nothing clears the air in your home or your automobile or wherever you are more than just praising the Lord and thanking Him. Amen. The devil will say, "Boy, you're having a rough week," and you just go, "Glory to God." You know, the Bible says that Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God that what uh, he had promised he was able to perform. You say, well, what do you have to give glory to God about, old man? You're almost 100 and your wife's 90-something, you know, and still believing for this baby. You know, they look almost a little unstable in some people's eyes, you know, certifiable. They, uh, isn't that pathetic? They're still believing for this baby and they're 190 or something, you know, 200 years together. And, uh, but he's, the Bible says he didn't, he didn't give glory to God because he had such great faith. He didn't give glory to God because he was, you know, Abraham. He gave glory to God because what God had promised he's able to perform. And so I just always, you know, I've preached on that for years. Just always use that. He says that he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How do you show strong faith? By giving glory to God. It's not how willing you are to suffer, amen. It's not how, you know, some big works that you've proven. Just, just go around going glory to God. Say, well, you don't have enough money in your account this week. Glory to God. You sound like a nut. That's okay. We're peculiar people. If we don't sound like a nut to the world, there might be something wrong with us, you know, because the world thinks that they've got all the answers and we, we give them all kinds of money and offices and everything else to run things and they make a mess of it. So there's my opinion on government. Don't get me started. Hallelujah. Preaching today on saved by grace, saved by grace. Amen. There is so much still uh, uh, confusion out there on the subject of grace, and there seems to be extremes, and the the extremes get more extreme trying to fight each other. And uh, I like what Brother Hagin said all the time. He said, let's just go down the middle of the road and be balanced, and we'll have something that we can be healthy with. Amen. You know, you need to be healthy theologically, too. You need to have the right information. Now, nobody's got all the answers. If some guy shows up at some conference and says, I've got all the answers, you need to get out of there as soon as possible because you're in a cult. But uh, people say, well, Pastor Dave, you should have the answer. Well, one of my answers is I don't have all the answers. That's one of my answers. So... Uh, I'm like you. I'm, I'm, uh, searching the scriptures. Amen. I'm listening to the spirit. I'm deciding on, uh, from the leading of the Lord and the word, what is the right answer to, to questions. Amen. And I hope I'm searching the scriptures 20, 30 years from now. Amen. How about you? It's never too late to be hungry for the word. And uh, to see what God says. So the subject of grace is a thorny one these days. You wouldn't think that it would be, but it is because there's extremes. Uh, I read something the other day that something about earning grace, that we earn it by certain actions. And if, if, if something to be merited or earned, then it's no longer grace. It's some kind of a reward or bonus or something, but grace, if it ceases to be a free gift, it's no longer grace. It's something else. And so there's that extreme that we're really, they're really saved by works, <laughs> saved by law keeping. And Paul's whole ministry was to disprove that fact. Now, uh, uh, I mean, he, he didn't want to be there. He said, I, I determined to know nothing. Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But because of the lawmongers, 
and the merit mongers amongst them, he had to come back, and they were influencing people. I mean, he just lost it in, with the Galatians. I mean, if you, if you read that, especially in some other translations like the Amplified or, uh, the Message Bible, which the Message Bible is not a literal direct translation. It's more of a paraphrase, but it helps us in modern language to understand a little bit of the spirit of the idea. Amen. Not so, uh, Tudor like, you know, King James. <laughs> they were quite a group, King James and his people. But um, King James is a literal translation. That's why we trust it. But the language sometimes leaves us a little, you know, uh, in shock. But uh, Galatians, uh, Paul had had it. I mean, he had said, look, I, I didn't want you to even know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And here are all these, you know, people promoting everything from surgery to God knows what, lifestyles, trying to get people to be saved by a mixture of faith in Christ, plus keeping the law. And you would talk that how much of that is in the church today. Now, sometimes it's I think it's an overreaction to the other extreme. Let's talk about the extremes a minute. The other extreme is Cole Porter's song, Anything Goes. You know, that should be sung in some churches. Anything goes. Any lifestyle, any, any, including lifestyles that the Bible clearly in both testaments condemns and calls sinful. Any kind of perversion, uh, outside of, uh, the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman, uh, is, is, uh, condemned in both, in both the, not just Leviticus, you, 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 you can put that away if you need to. It's not just Leviticus, but also Paul talked about it, didn't he, to the church at Corinth. In fact, he told them, he said, it is commonly reported, think about that, commonly reported that there's fornication going on in this church. And he said, this should never be named even once. There shouldn't be one incident of it, and yet it's common. And uh, he told them then, didn't he, that they weren't saved and they needed to start over? No. He said, you have forgotten who you are. No, you're not. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Would you join Christ with a harlot? And, uh, and uh, of course, the obvious answer is no. So uh, we see the, the one extreme is mixing law with grace and trying to come up with a better product than just the straight word of God, amen, uh, dependence on what he, what Christ has done. And then the other extreme is don't care about anything, anything goes. If it feels good, do it. <laughs> if it feels good to your flesh, just do it. It's okay. Well, uh, the, there's scripture that corrects and balances both of those extremes, amen. And we can, so do we have to get in the ditch? Somebody said, oh, well, you know, this is, uh, we, what about all those people that when they hear grace go crazy? Well, my question is, what about them? That's like saying, what about all those people that heard faith and went crazy? Now we had crazy faith people. Faith people don't want to admit that we have crazy faith people, but we had, and especially in the early days of the faith movement, and I know because I was there. Hallelujah. Praise God. I predate the faith movement, in fact. And uh, we used to have these preachers that were actually in the day, in the 70s, they were pretty well known. I won't call their names. Most of them are dead. I don't know if that's a benefit or a what, but anyway, uh won't go there. Not be Dr. Kevorkian of the faith movement, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. Some of them. Anyway, um, I, there were, besides the, besides the faith preachers that we know very well, like Brother Hagan and Brother Copeland and others, there were some other names out there in the seventies that in some ways in those days, the early seventies, their ministries were bigger and more well known than Brother Hagan, than Brother Copeland. And, uh, and others. And so, uh, and Jerry Savelle and people like that that we know kind of as, 
uh, you know, founders of the faith movement. Amen? But these guys were teaching that if you're really in faith, see, they got into the ditch. If you're really in faith, you won't, you won't buy insurance. You won't ever use a doctor. You'll never take an aspirin. You'll never use a midwife even to deliver babies, especially go to the hospital. All that. Well, this one ministry in the Midwest that was preaching that version of faith, they ended up with all kinds of multi-million dollar lawsuits and a lot of dead people. People wouldn't go to the hospital and they could have been saved. You understand what I'm saying? And, and that was called faith. And then, you know, their house burned down and not have any insurance. And then they said, well, they're living by faith or uh, they're getting a car wreck and have no insurance, you know, and have to then pay the rest of their lives some family for uh, uh, somebody that was killed or injured. Well, that's not faith at all. That's just stupid is what it is and a little crazy. But you know what? We need to be balanced, amen, and uh, use wisdom. And uh, God is just not an extremist in this way. God's down the middle of the road. Let's stay with him, amen. Does that help you? Is that good enough disclaimer before I get jump in here? So when I'm preaching grace, we want to see the purity of it. It's the same as faith. But yet on the other hand, uh, we don't have to go to the ditch. All right. Galatians 3. I'm sorry. Uh, where, do, where am I at? I want to go to Ephesians. Of course I do. Right? We haven't had church if we're not in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 8. At least, at least Paul calmed down, had a Turkish coffee or something by the time he got to Ephesus. Cause he was a little, little cooler headed about it. And he actually waxed eloquent in the book of Ephesians after he got through being mad at the Galatians and calling them stupid. And he did. He called them stupid. Okay. Ephesians 2, 8. This is our great scripture. Amen. That identifies the heart of the gospel, I believe. Uh, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. Well, what the, the, the saving, the saving Element here, the saving element is, is grace. Amen. Salvation is a gift of God. Isn't that beautiful? That's why when we give altar calls, if we give them right, <laughs> don't make them into condemnation altar calls, but we, we, we make them acceptance altar calls to say, would you like to accept the, the gift of salvation? Would you, it's a free gift. It's to you from God. Hallelujah. Jesus is that propitiation. He is the price set by the judge, amen, for the price of our sin. And Jesus paid the price for your sin. Will you accept that? Will you accept that grace and the the blood of Jesus for your salvation? Amen. And so is there something for the receiver to do? Yeah, receive. Amen. It's like I could throw a football at you, and if you don't catch it and take it, receive the football, it's just going to hit you, you know, in the face or whatever, or the chest and bounce off onto the floor. But if you want to, if you want to retain that, then if I throw it at you, you know, you'll keep it. Or if you go to that place in Alabama where they throw rolls at you, they call it throwed rolls. The throat is not an English word. I don't know what that is. But we get it that they're throwing food at us. I've personally never eaten there because I don't like anything thrown at me while I'm eating. I just, that just would freak me out a little bit. But some people are into that. All right, praise God. But you would have to, instead of the roll hitting you on the face and falling in the floor or all over your clothes, you can uh, catch it. Amen. So salvation is something that you take a hold of. And that's the faith part. Amen. It's not a big, scary thing. You just say, I receive this. I understand it. I get it. And I take it. Amen. Isn't that beautiful about salvation? 
You don't have to promise to do better to get it. You don't have to, you don't even have to put your cigarettes on the altar to be saved. You can be saved cigarettes and all. In other words, it's not about your, your flesh action. It's about you receiving Christ. Amen. And then the Holy Spirit can work on you and convict you about bad habits and things that aren't giving honor to the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Praise God. Uh, I'll tell you a sad story about that. My, my grandfather, my, my grandmother was a member of a Pentecostal church. We won't say which one, but their headquarters is in Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, so maybe you could draw the conclusion. But uh, my grandmother, my great-grandmother was a founding member of that church, 1911. That was the year before the Titanic went down. That's a long time ago. And so my grandmother obviously grew up in that church. My mother and father grew up in that church. Amen. I didn't grow up there because we never lived there. I was, we were in other cities, but um, same denomination. And so, thank God, the Church of God has come a ways, amen, since that, as has the assemblies, Pentecostal holiness, congregational holiness, Foursquare, all the Pentecostal denominations, thank God, have gotten uh, a better light on righteousness and and those things. And they started, you know, allowing the women to get rid of the burqa and wear, uh, you know, a little lipstick and earrings. Praise God. It helped, amen. Instead of the the B-Wogs, I called them the B-Wogs, the burly women of God that we had before with the Tower of Babel hair and, uh, you know, hair on the lip and everything. God hated Nair, apparently. Uh, but... You know, come a long ways, amen. And 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 gotten rid of a lot of have gotten rid of a lot of the legalism that was uh that was so apparent. Thank God for that. And uh but my my uh my my grandmother she um she would work on my grandfather. He didn't come to church and uh he tried twice, one I think once in the early 60s and another time in maybe the early 70s. He finally got up one Sunday morning, both times, and said, Lois, I'm coming to church with you. Well, she'd been praying for him, praying for his salvation. Well, now she's a member of the adult Sunday school class, so she comes in. Let me show you how mean legalism is and how mean adding layers to this scripture, what it does to people. So you can see why I am the way I am. <laughs> so my my grandfather gets all dressed up and he comes to church dressed up as he would get. And uh, he comes to church with my grandmother. Well, she's just so excited. You know, you know, when you've been praying for a husband that won't serve God and he finally comes to church with you, it's a big deal. You know, and she's excited, right? How many can see that? So she, he comes with her to the adult Sunday school class. Well, it's a pretty good class. I mean, the church had about 350 people in it. So, you know, they got in South Georgia, they got, you know, maybe 40 in the adult Sunday school class. So they're sitting there, not too conspicuous, but just sitting there. But the Sunday school teacher who knew my grandfather by first name, they, it's a small town, everybody knows everybody. He gets up and he embarrasses my grandfather. My grandfather was, uh, was, um, a chain smoker, <laughs> as almost everybody in South Georgia was, except for Pentecostal people. The Baptist smoked out on the front steps between Sunday school and church, that break, 15 minutes of smoke break. For the deacons, uh, the Church of God, not so much. The, the, we had donut breaks, but not cigarette breaks. Much healthier. But uh, the uh, my my grandfather would forgot because he smoked all the time and left his 
his little pack of cigarettes in his shirt pocket. And he's sitting in the church, in the Sunday school. Isn't that horrible? What a terrible man. Probably the devil himself. And uh, so my uh, the Sunday school teacher got up and he said, well, we're happy to have Mr. Norris here today. And, of course, my grandmother's just beaming, you know. He said, now I want to tell you something. He says, if you'll give up those cigarettes and lay them on the altar, Jesus will save you today. Now, that's where legalism goes, folks. If you love it, if you hang on to it, if you like it, that's what it does to people. It's mean. It, it's, it's the same thing as the ruler of the synagogue saying there are six days in which men can, can come and be healed and not on the Sabbath. It's the same devil. It's the same spirit. Well, my, fa- my grandfather's embarrassed. So he told my grandmother, uh, I'm going to walk home. They, they lived close to the church. He says, I'm just going to walk on home. I won't stay for the service. You go on. He's horrified. His answer to the Sunday school teacher was really something wonderful. He said, you know, brother, he said his name, he said, these cigarettes have nothing to do with my salvation. It's, it's, a, it's a situation in my heart with God. I'm trying to work through it. He had more sense than the Sunday school teacher. Well, that did it for ten years. Ten years later, he decides to go to church with her again. Same church, same Sunday school class, same teacher. So, shows up. And that scenario played out a second time exactly like that. And so my my grandfather never went back to church. Now, he did get saved, kind of a deathbed salvation sort of thing and, and all. But look at the fellowship that he missed out on. Look at the love of the saints. Look at the the friendships that he could have had and the times in the Lord. Wouldn't it have been better just to let him be saved by grace alone? Amen. And then let the Holy Spirit work on this habit that was uh, so uh, unhealthy. Amen? I think everybody can see that, right? Like we all have brains here. Thank God. Are you saying it's okay? You know, see, people always go there. And it's like, I'm not saying anything other than what the Word says. Amen? We're saved by grace and not by works. Amen? Now, he says, not of works, lest any man should boast. You want another story? friend of mine, Brother Jim Andrews, who uh, uh, some of you have seen uh, different times around. We're going to have them in sometime to do a meeting. But uh, he was preaching in a, in a church. This is a word of faith church. We'll leave the church of God alone now for a minute. We'll meddle with, the, with our own dear faith people. Word of Faith pastor, Word of Faith church, Bible school graduate. Uh, he said that my my friend, Brother Jim, he was holding a meeting at this church in a small town somewhere. And the uh, he and the pastor, he was staying at the parsonage. And he and the pastor were sitting on the back porch, you know, or the front porch or wherever, and just after dinner and hanging out. And uh, this dude walks up, you know, uh, again, small townspeople kind of out on the street in the south. He walks up and he says, hey, pastor, he says, I know you've got a guest and everything, but uh, I just need some fellowship. And, you know, I, I can I just hang out with you guys for like just an hour or two? I don't, don't want to interrupt anything. Pastor and brother said, well, sure, brother, you can just sit here on the porch with us. In the south, we sit on the porch a lot. You know, my wife, Cherie, was from Minnesota, and, and the first time she's in South Georgia with me, and after dinner, everybody says, we're going to go sit on the porch. She goes, what are we going to do on the porch? I said, we're going to sit on it. That's what we do. We sit on the porch and swat gnats and shell butter beans. That's what we do. That's it. End of story. And listen and, and listen and tell stories. Criticize the government. That's what we do. So, 
and anybody else that we want to think of to criticize. That was the truth. That was just the, you know, the town gossip, right, is right there on the porch. Everything you need to know you'll find on the porch of southern cities. That's the news. That's the real news right there. <laughs> anyway, the story, the backstory with this fellow is that he is the town drunk, okay? He's the town drunk, and he kind of the village drunk, you know, and he came and got saved and delivered from alcoholism, amen, at the church. The pastor led him in, and he's following the word, And but he, you know, he has those moments of when life gets tough where the, the go-to, if you if somebody's ever been an addict or, an uh, you know, addicted to, to substance at any of any kind, uh, it's easy to slip back and go, this is what I need, right? Uh, and how many can see that and, and understand that? Have you ever been around a drug addict or somebody? You have to be careful. Uh, that's why like an, al- uh, what is it, AA, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, they'll have a buddy system kind of thing. You call that buddy if you're weak and they'll talk you off the ledge, so to speak. Well, that's what this guy was doing, you know. He said, uh, can I hang out with you guys? I just, you know, I just, all my friends are also drunks. So he said, I don't want to go hang out with them. And he said, so I just thought maybe I could just sit here a, a minute. And so they said, yeah, and they're talking about the word. They're talking about good things. And Brother Jim had a check in his spirit. He said, you know, I thought, this guy's really struggling, and I just hope to the Lord the pastor doesn't say the wrong thing to him. So the got later, and the fella could sense that it was time to go and he said well i'll see y'all tomorrow at church this is saturday night he says i'll see y'all tomorrow at church and thanks for letting me hang out the pastor said the dreaded words whatever you do joe don't go to that bar on the way home now see he hadn't even been thinking about going to that bar but the pastor felt so compelled this is word of faith guy felt so compelled to issue the edict and the direction, and it's this is called codependency, kind of managing somebody, uh, and concern. He was concerned for him. I'm not throwing the pastor under the bus. He was truly concerned. But if he was going to remind him of anything, he should have said, hey, remember, Joe, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, you're holy because Christ is holy. Sure is good you came by. Remember, you got Christian friends. We'll see you at church. Instead, don't go to that bar, whatever you do. Guess what he did? Went straight to the bar. He hadn't even thought of going to the bar. So he wasn't at church Sunday morning. So Brother Jim said, hey, what happened to that fellow that came by? He says, I don't know. Let's check on him. So they called him. Sure enough, he's home with a hangover. Now, the hangover is not the worst part. The worst part is his condemnation. He said, why didn't you come on to church? He goes, I just felt so bad, felt so condemned. I just couldn't come. So I guess they worked with him, maybe got him back. Can you see why leaven is such a bad thing? Why we can't control people with rules and regulations? One of the great leaders of the church of God who... Uh, uh, many buildings at Lee University are named after their family is Charles Kahn, and he was, he had several earned PhDs, at least two earned PhDs, uh, and, uh, just was a, a Bible genius. He, I heard him on a video preaching back, he's gone to be with the Lord years ago, but heard him preaching back years ago, at an Alabama camp meeting, and he said, holiness is not something that can be legislated. He said, worldliness, you don't, he says, you don't change worldliness in the heart by passing more rules and regulations. Worldliness, you can pass all the rules you want. Worldliness uh, is a condition of the soul and a condition of the heart, and it's wrong thinking, and it's wrong um, sort of programming. And so we have to renew our minds to the word. Amen. 
And I know many people in the faith movement, thank God for the word of faith. Thank God for what we learned and are still learning. But I know many people in the faith movement who said that they got saved and they didn't know anything. They didn't know what lifestyle they were supposed to live. But they were in a good, loving church with the pastor preaching the word. And they said, just slowly, the Holy Spirit will begin to convict our hearts, begin to change us and say, you don't need that anymore. Leave that off. You don't need Or a couple that's living together. And they finally said, you know, the Spirit of God's convicted us. We should get married. And But, you know, if we try to jump out there and do the work of the Holy Spirit ourselves, we'll mess it up every time. Because then it becomes a reaction to flesh instead of a work of the Spirit. Trust me, the Holy Spirit can put up with a lot in a church. <laughs> Say, well, if you don't get the sin out, we won't have a move of the Spirit. Well, I know one way to get rid of the sin. Just get rid of all the people, and then you don't have any sin problem. You just have an empty building. It's very pure. Preach, Pastor. Well, again, the ditch is, well, God doesn't care. Just do whatever you want. You know, no, that's, that's, that's wrong. Paul said that. He said when he asked the question, because his teaching led to the same questions that are being asked today. Should we sin all the more that grace abounds more? He said, God forbid. God forbid. How many want to do something God forbids? I don't. All right. Don't everybody shout at once and stomp on somebody's toes doing the chicken dance. Galatians 2, 16. Okay, so how are we saved? By grace, through faith. Hallelujah. Guess what? God provides both of it. Isn't that beautiful? God provides the grace, the gift, and he provides the faith. For us to receive it. We don't have to come up with anything. Good news, isn't it? He is everything to us. He is our all in all. Everything we need, He provides. Say, well, I just need more love. I'm just kind of hateful. Well, (laughs) the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. Make that your confession. I I have the love of God. The love of God's been shed abroad in my heart. I'm not vengeful. I'm not hateful. I'm not resentful. I'm like, I'm walking, talking, 1 Corinthians 13, amplified. That's who I am. Amen. Make that your confession, and you'll start seeing a heart change. Doesn't mean you won't. Hey, listen. Folks can be aggravating. Situations can be aggravating. We're still got, we'll never get to the place where we're so spiritual that we don't have human feelings. We're not, God's not trying to make us into zombies where we walk around not feeling anything. But it's just that our feelings won't run us. Amen. We can, we're, we're in charge of them. They're not in charge of us. All right. Galatians 2, 16. Woo! Shandai. Knowing, this is something we're supposed to know. Apparently folks have forgotten it. Knowing that a man is not justified. Everybody say not. Okay, here's how not to be justified. Not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Hallelujah. Justified by the faith of Christ, not by our law keeping. Aren't you glad for that? What's wrong with law keeping? Well, the problem is, um, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the problem. The problem is that none of us can be justified by it. So Paul clearly said in this same uh, well, it, we'll look in Romans in a minute. But Paul clearly said in the book of Romans that the, that we all stand with our mouths shut in front of the law because we're all condemned by it. Amen. All have sinned and fall short of the 
glory of God. Now, here's the way the law works. The law works that if you miss it in one small area, you miss it in the whole thing. What kind of a justice system is that? I don't know. It's wild, if you ask me. But it'd be like going to court for a traffic violation, and then they say, now you're also guilty of capital murder, uh, you know, extortion, uh, conspiracy to, to uh, commit assassination. I mean, on and on and on, treason. You'd go, whoa, 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 wait, I ran a, I ran a red light. I didn't, I only did a small thing. I ran a red light, I, or I ran an orange light, if you've ever run one of those. <laughs> half yellow, half orange. Confession is good for the soul. Look, it's, it's, it's still green, kind of, kind of yellowy green, and now it's turning kind of yellowy orange, you know, orangey red. But if you've ever run something like that and had to appear and talk about it or whatever, you know, what if they accuse you of every crime in the legal code? You go, whoa, wait, Jack, I didn't do all that. Yep. According to the way this law works, if you miss it in one area, you miss the whole thing. It's pass or fail. And Paul clearly tells us that all have have failed. Amen. So there's no need in trying to prove something to God. I'll show you. Now, this is the Pharisee spirit that gets on you. I'll show the Lord that I can keep the law perfectly. And the Bible says... Paul said, you have made yourself at that point an enemy of the cross of Christ. Why? Because you're competing with the cross. I'll show the Lord that I didn't really need all that much blood. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a scary thing. And that's what religiosity and, and, and a, a fake piety does to us. Are you listening? Okay, so that we might be just, okay, okay, and then on the other hand, I have to say this, or somebody will write me a nasty letter and the, from, you know, internet world. On the other hand, that doesn't mean that you try to see how many laws you can break and get away with. There's the other ditch. Stay out of the ditch. There's snakes and alligators in there. There is. That we might be justified by what? By showing the Lord we mean business. No. <laughs> by the faith of Christ and not the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall, how much? No flesh be justified. Look at verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, and yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to live by faith, not by works. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. He, how many times does he need to say this? Well, according to Facebook yesterday, we still haven't said it enough because the lawmongers are amongst us. And then I got, then I threw my hat in the ring and got beat up pretty badly. Anyway. I told Scarlett about it. She said, stay off of Facebook, you know. The Lord said, you need to listen to your wife. I said, okay, I'm off today. (laughs) This afternoon. For an hour. There's just enough Irish blood in me that wants to get in the street brawl. All right. By the, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith and the law is not of faith. 
The minute somebody starts quoting the law at you, you need to realize that we are not no we are no longer in the spirit of faith with this thing. We've turned into to, to fundamentalists somehow. Look at verse thirteen. Then Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. All right. Now look at and of course if I had another hour I would go into this whole Galatians three explanation of how wills work is so beautiful. Paul, being a lawyer, uses legal terminology quite a bit. It proves you can be a lawyer and be a Christian. Look at Paul. Okay. One time a guy introduced me. He says, I'm a a Christian attorney. I said, that's an oxymoron. Anyway. It's like a Christian car dealer. I don't know if that's possible. This is a good one right here. Okay, yeah, praise the Lord. Okay. Um, look at, uh, and I have, I still have uh, verse 21 here from Galatians uh, 2. Uh, again, I do not, again, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Amen. I like what Brother Hagin said one time. He said, I rob all the banks I want to. He said, I go to all the bars I want to go to. I do all the wrong things that I want to do. And, uh, uh, you know, the first time he said that, you know, people were like, oh, my God. You know, he's supposed to be this... Major prophet, and here he is going to bars and robbing banks. He said, I just don't want to. He said, I have been transformed. See, I think this is the part that we're missing, is that when salvation occurs, we are supposed to be being transformed, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And yet we sometimes preach to people as if they're all sinners, they're all still in the kingdom of darkness, and they're going to get better by following our rules. And it doesn't work like that. If that was the case, prison would be the holiest place on earth. Because all privileges have been taken away. You know, some folks are locked up in solitary and others probably chained to the wall. But uh, I don't think prison is a very holy place. What I've heard is pretty bad. So, or the Amish. God bless them. Nothing wrong. I'm just saying. You know, get rid of all worldly pleasures, including rocking chairs, anything else, even though they sell, they'll sell one to you, they just won't sit in it. And their stores have electricity. I don't know how that works. Anyway, you got, you have to make exceptions for the heathens, I suppose, that need air conditioning. But I'm just telling you, uh, you cannot get to something spiritual through the flesh. You get to something spirit to spirit. Amen. And then the spirit convicts the flesh. And then we can get in the driver's seat with our spirit. Hallelujah. And control the flesh. So when your flesh says, I want the entire coconut cream pie, you can say, like Brother Norville used to say, no, you're not getting, you're not getting three pieces. He says, you're getting one. Well, if you're nice, you can have two. That was a joke, you know. But the idea is right, right? That we're in charge. People say, well, I just can't resist chocolate. Don't ever confess that. Yes, you can. If you need to, if you want to, you can resist it. Amen? You can say no to anything your flesh demands. And if you'll learn that, then when real sin comes to tempt... You'll, you'll be able to turn that down too. Amen. You'll be able to say, no, you know what? I'm not, or the temptation to steal or to lie or cheat or do something that's really disgusting. You can say, you know what? I, you got to be kidding. I, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't, I don't commit sin. Sin, I, in the book of Romans, sin has no power over me. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. Don't let some legalistic preacher revive it. 
All right, Romans 3, 28. This is the end of the line. Okay. You get kicked off the train. You're not going to the, to the barn. Romans 3, 28. Therefore, we conclude. I love this. It's a conclusion. Have you heard the joke about the word conclusion in a service? Little boy sitting by his grandfather in church. And there, and the, and the preacher kept saying, in conclusion, and then he'd preach another 10 minutes. And then he kept saying, in conclusion, he preached another 12 minutes. In conclusion, he preached another eight minutes. The little boy says to his grandfather, grandfather, what does in conclusion mean? And the grandfather says, absolutely nothing. Okay. Therefore, we conclude, we're going to, in conclusion, I love that. That a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, Geraldine, if you'd put that up there on the Amplified, that verse in the Amplified. Look at this beautiful verse. We maintain that an individual is justified by faith distinctly apart from the works of the law in brackets the observance of which has nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing to do with justification. That is, being declared free of the guilt of sin and made acceptable to God strictly as a work of grace. Amen? Now, could we spend time, equal time, teaching from Paul's writings himself? Well, We'll compare apples to apples. We won't throw Moses in the mix. Please leave Moses floating down the stream because Moses is not preaching directly to us in, in this new covenant. Amen. But Paul is. We can learn from Moses' faith and learn from what holiness is and so forth. But God bless Moses, but we're not Moses followers. We're Christ followers. And, therefore, we can see that I think that what's written, the Apostle Paul had the greatest revelation of Christ than anybody. All right. At least the Holy Spirit trusted him to write the majority of the New Testament. So what I want to tell you about that is that what about how we should live? How should we conduct our lives, right? Is Does the Bible, does Paul say anything about our appetites, food, sex, everything. Does Paul have something to say about it? Yes, he does. Does Paul say have something to say about our giving and our how we handle money? Yes. Does Paul say something about how we should conduct our lives and our marriage? What should the relationship be between a man and a woman? And those things. Does Paul say anything? Yes, yes, yes. Does Paul say anything about how we should conduct ourselves with each other in the house of the Lord and in the church? Yes, he does. Does he say anything about how ministry should work? Yes. Yes, yes. Does he say anything about qualifications for ministry? Yeah. Can you qualify? Yes. Can you disqualify? Yes. We've seemed to have forgotten that one, that you can disqualify and be disqualified. And some people need to be sat down. Nobody wants to do it, especially if they have a big mailing list. It's the truth. It's ugly, but it's true. But I just wanted to tell you that the, the Apostle Paul has plenty, Mr. Grace, Mr. Righteousness, has plenty to say about behavior. So if we're going to be balanced Christians, we need to understand everything that we can get on the subject of grace and righteousness and keep it clean, keep it pure, don't make it mixture. But then on the other hand, we need to also understand what the one of our great leaders in the church, an apostle and kind of a father of the early church, how many would agree with that, that Paul was one of the early founders and early fathers of the church? He has plenty to say about our lifestyles. Amen? 
And so we can do both, can't we? Can't we understand grace and understand behavior and not try to get their places mixed up? Don't everybody shout at once. Don't want to get too excited. Have to get out the defibrillators. Praise God. Some, I've been in services where I said, check your neighbor and see if they're breathing. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. I just wanted to yell that out at you today. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for God's grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Amen. What a wonderful thing. Father, let's just lift our hands and praise Him. And I'm going to pray for, for, uh, for all of you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, the fact that we are saved by grace through faith. We receive that. We expect that. We love that factor. Lord, thank you today for your goodness and mercy in our lives. And uh, in the name of Jesus, anybody that needs a healing, Lord, we, th- we, we reach out our hand and we thank you. you. You just put your hand where you're suffering there. If you're watching by Internet, especially, put your hand where you're suffering as a point of contact. And just in Jesus' name, Lord, we, I reach my hand out in faith in a virtual way. And, Lord, I thank you that you touch them right where they're suffering. We command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk. We thank you, Lord, for strength and healing in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. God bless you. You may be dismissed. And uh, don't uh, forget, Wednesday night, be here. We have a dinner at 6 and the service at 7. Okay. God bless you. Amen.